What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands, and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. It's your host, Alexis Barber, and I am so excited for today's episode. So today we have on the incredible Dr. Danielle Richardson. So I am so excited about this because I think if you all listen to this show or if you're someone who likes my solo episodes or really anything, you are someone who really wants to improve themselves while also not taking themselves too seriously. And there's all these things where you want to do self love work, but sometimes you need a framework for that. And sometimes you need to hear somebody else's experience to be able to do that for yourself. And Dr. Danielle Richardson has fallen down the you know path that many of us did where chasing external validation or doing things because she wasn't in tune with herself and she made a huge transition in her life. And she basically turned the way that she basically glowed up into a journal for you to glow up your entire life. I I really love that she took the time to actually make this content as well. And she has an active wear line. She is a creator. She's an optometrist. Like she's a multifaceted, multidimensional woman, which so many of you all are too. And I just love this conversation. And if you're someone who needs some direction on how to get more in tune with yourself, how to craft the life that you truly desire, how to have a little bit more faith if you're in your 20s that things are still going to work out for you, this is an incredible episode. And I highly recommend you pick up the glow up journal I have it and I've gone through it and it's really amazing Danielle is just really so cool she stayed on after to help me through some things and I'm just so grateful that we got to have this conversation so be sure to follow her everywhere and I really hope you guys enjoyed this episode of too smart for this welcome to the show I'm so excited to chat with you thank you for having me of course of course so as I usually do I like to get started with some rapid fire questions so Anyone who hasn't heard of you before can get a little glimpse of who you are. My first one is, what is are you an astrology girl? I like to ask before. A huge, huge astrology girly. Okay, so what is your big three in astrology? So I'm a Cancer Sun, Libra Rising, Virgo Moon. So Ooh. Um, I love beauty and balance, but I'm also psycho and erotic and can make it happen. I see. I understand. It happens to all of us. It's crazy. So happy belated birthday. We're recording this. Early birthday. My birthday is July. Oh, early. Which You're is right. a fun fact. It is actually the date on the calendar emoji on the iPhone. It says July 17th, and that is World Emoji Day. So no year, oh, it's my birthday. It's the best day. I thought everybody's phone customized it for their birthday. And everyone was like, no, it's not. And I was like, oh, my God, I'm so special. Oh, my gosh. That is so funny. Oh my God. That's hilarious. And that you are special. You're world yeah, emoji day. That, I'm going to think of you every time I look at that emoji now. Yeah. It's the best day. And funny thing, my brother's birthday is the day after. So it's like, I always grew up like, it's my birthday, not yours. And then it ended up being an emoji. So I'm like, okay, now I win. That's so good. You did win hundred percent. Okay. What is your hometown and where do you live now? So my hometown is Indianapolis, Indiana, and I currently live in Los Angeles, California. Oh, lovely. I'm from St. Louis, so I love a Midwestern girl. Yeah, it was a great place to grow up. I go back um, a couple of times a year, like just for the holidays, but I'm definitely Mm -hmm. a um, West Coast girly now. 
Yes. I, I want to hear more about that too, about your LA lifestyle 100%. Do you prefer sweet or savory foods? Savory. Same, 100%. Okay, Instagram or TikTok? You know, I actually listened to one of your episodes and I agree with you. Recently, it's been more Instagram. Like, I don't know what has gone on, but like, I just don't even know what to post on TikTok anymore. I just, like, I don't know. It's something weird has happened where I'm like, on Instagram stories, like talking to people all the time now. So exactly. I've turned into an Instagram girly after I canceled it for like the last three years. What Relatable, relatable. It's like TikTok was so good and like something's up with it. And they're like sending me like content from 2021 and all my 2021 content is like blowing up too. And I'm like, what's going on? Yeah, I don't know. I'm just like, I don't, yeah, I agree. I can't understand what's going on. So I like just get on my burner account and like do mm. The burner is where it's at on TikTok. Yeah, because then your algorithm's totally different. It's like, okay, this, I'm just with the, you know, I'm not on a business account. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Okay, so uh, what is your most important self care practice? My most important self care practice is the ability to say no. And I think when you think about self care, it's really easy to make it this elaborate, like, production and routine and ritual, but the reality is it's actually just caring for you. And that's going to require you to say no to things that are out of alignment. So whether that's like canceling plans or not picking up an extra job or an extra day at work or going for a walk when you know you have a to-do list and it's like, I'm not doing that right now. I'm just going to focus on me. So I think like my ability to say no in service of myself is definitely my most important self-care practice. I like that. We haven't heard something like that, I think, recently. So I feel like it's helpful. And also because I think saying no is like an individual thing too. So we'll get more into it. But my final rapid fire question is, what is the worst advice you've ever received? Ooh, the worst advice I will ever, I've ever received, I would say is fake it till you make it because it gives you out, right? It's just like pretend, 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 but it really is. You need to become it until you're embodied in it, right? Like you can't just be faking it. Like it doesn't get you where you're trying to go. You actually have to do the work to get there. And I think when I was younger, fake it till you make it. Like I was, you know, trying to be all successful and doing all this stuff and trying to present that way. And I think that advice, while it's good intentioned, sometimes it like gives you a cop out and you don't do the work that you need to do to actually become it. So like once, if you're doing the work to become it, you eventually embody whatever it is that you're trying to get to and you actually are it. So, I mean, I get where it comes from and like certainly there are things you can do to like bolster the appearance, but I think fake it till you make it, if you're not in the right place to receive that advice can make you focus a little bit more on the superficiality or like what something looks like on the outside and not necessarily on what internal changes need to happen to make that a part of your reality. I want to like echo this a lot. I've never, I haven't heard it this way, but I really like the way you've said this because I think I used like fake it till you make it in um, high school or I like was a pretty shy person. And then I tried to like be Blair, pretend to be like Blair Waldorf because I was watching Gossip Girl at the time. And then I've gotten to a place of success like now. And I realized like I prefer actually being very confident in what I have to offer. And sometimes that doesn't mean, it means that I actually did have to do a little bit of work and learn something and overcome something to build that confidence. Whereas 
instead, like fake it till you make it, you could theoretically pretend to have done something and not really have done it. And then you get to a place where you are constantly anxious and have imposter syndrome about where whether or not you belong because you didn't really learn or do the work or get to that place for a reason. So I'm feeling that now in like some career ways. So I really like how you phrase that. It's wonderful. Okay. So let's jump in to who you are, your background and everything. But the first thing I kind of want to ask is what is a healthy baddie to you? I saw you have in your book. A healthy baddie is the baddest, most iconic, incredible version of yourself. It's a person who prioritizes looking good and feeling good, right? Both inside and outside. So I felt like in the wellness world, so I'm a wellness girly. I've, I, I mean, we'll get into it, but I went to, like, I went on a DIY wellness retreat for my optometry school graduation. Like, I've just been into this. And I just felt like, like, even when I was looking for a yoga retreat to go on at the time, it was just like all geared at like the Lululemon MILF moms. And I'm like, well, where's my community? I felt like there was just really like Solange girlies. And the Lululemon MILF moms. And it's like, where are the Beyonce's, right? Where are the girlies who are going to get their nails done, but also go to yoga? Like, where where are we? And so I wanted to create space for similar to your audience. So I always say our Fierce Clarity family of busy, ambitious, active baddies, right? So there's this group of people who are interested in wellness, who are interested in health and well-being, but still maybe, you know, are going to like, I always say like, it's like going for a hike and then going out to get brunch and having some champs, okay? Like it's both things. And so being a healthy baddie is really just about embodying the qualities that of course make you feel beautiful and comfortable and confident, like those baddie qualities, but also allowing health and wellness to be a priority in your lifestyle too. And like, you don't have to choose one or the other, like you can be both things. And so really, I just wanted to create a space for, you know, the girlies, like we're going to work out. Absolutely. But we're going to, we might have gone too hard the night before. So now we're drinking a green juice. We're having some activated charcoal. Like there are things that we can do to feel better within the lifestyle. So to me, a healthy baddie is just ability to make space for both of those sides of your personality, right? That side that likes to turn up, be beautiful, have a good time, social, go out. But then the side that's also focused on health and well-being. Like you don't have to be all granola. You don't have to be all, you know, you don't have to be all one thing. You can actually contain the multitudes. Absolutely. And I feel like that this understanding that women can be multidimensional has really just begun. I think like we were putting people in niches and boxes for a really long time. And we've just now been like, oh, hold on a second. Like I'm not betraying myself by going out, even though I want to be a healthy individual. And I think that's the hard thing is I think other people like to put us in boxes too, where they're like, you, if you like to go out, you can't be like a self-care girly, you know? And so I, like, I feel that right now where like I've, built a huge sort of career on self-care, but I'm about to go to business school, which is very party heavy, and I'm still able to do that, you know? And so I feel that, and I love that you're bringing attention to that with your community. So for you, I know, tell me more about like that Bali retreat and how that led to your book now. Yeah. So when I was in optometry school, I knew that I didn't want to be an optometrist. So I went to optometry school right after undergrad. And, you know, you're just told, like, 
Midwestern girlies like go to school via, you know, a doctor, lawyer, teach. Like it just there weren't it wasn't like I was in, you know, L.A. where there's like a bazillion careers. Like I just, you know, I felt like this is kind of what I had to do. I like science. I just felt like being a doctor would be a great job. You get to talk to people. But then the realities of what that entailed, it was like, I don't want to do this for the rest of my life. And I was really sick about it. Um, and so I had a lot of stress related illnesses. I was partying a lot in school just to kind of cope with my dissatisfaction and my unhappiness. And I just wasn't feeling good. And so a doctor recommended I try yoga for stress relief as a treatment. And so I did. And I decided I liked it. I wanted to learn more about this practice. So I decided to go to do yoga for graduation instead of like going to Europe or like, you know, kind of the other things that you would typically do for a graduation trip. And I realized like, of course, I was a student. I was just graduating. I didn't really have any money. So I went to Bali because I could actually afford to do the yoga. Now, I couldn't afford to go on a retreat because those were all like $3,500. Again, they were for like the MILFs, the stay-at-home ladies. And I was like, dang, okay, I'll just do it myself. And so I made um, like kind of my DIY yoga retreat. I was going to um, yin yoga classes every day. I was eating a healthy diet. I brought like 10 books with me. I was journaling every day. And within two weeks of being there, all of my illnesses cleared up. Like I lost like 15 pounds. My acne went away. I like actually actually felt good for the first time in forever. And this, at the time I was posting on my personal Instagram account and like my friends were all like, oh my God, like you look incredible. You're so brave. And I'm like, guys, I'm not brave for going to Bali and like doing yoga and getting massages every day. <laughs> but I recognized that like what felt brave to, to other people was just the ability to like go and do it. And so while I was there, I was like, you know, I want to do this type of work. I want to work in yoga. I want to work in healing. I want to, now that I see, you know, see it, I want to do this, but I had no idea how it would come about. So I just was kind of journaling. Fast forward, I came back, you know, to, I was living in New York at the time. As soon as I came back from Bali, it was like the clock struck 12 at midnight and the carriage turned right back into a pumpkin. I mean, like within days, I gained the weight back. Acne came back. I was irritable. I was pissed off. Like it was I was right back in it and it was just so powerful to me because I'm like, yo, I actually just felt good for two weeks for the first time in years. And here I am back in this same like toxic environment, toxic body. To like it just all felt like it came back. And so that really was kind of the turning point where I was like, I know I want to pursue this and I want to move forward with this. So that was in 2015. In 2016, I started Fierce Clarity as a wellness retreat company. We had a retreat for, essentially I was recreating that Bali experience for professional women. So we had a Fierce Reset retreat in Sedona. We had one in Costa Rica. I had pop-up events in Austin, in Houston, where I was living at the time. And I also created a journal um, that said, Ask, Believe, Receive, which is our, our, um, our, our, I would say like the ethos of fierce clarity through that journal, I did a weekly or excuse me, a yearly challenge, like 12 days of you in December, where I would guide the, um, guide our community on like journal prompts to go within and reflect on the year and create intentionality for the year ahead, because journaling has been such a big part of how I've been able to create, you know, this other company outside of my nine to five job that, that just wasn't fulfilling. Believe it or not, I posted it on TikTok and editors found me on TikTok because they're like, we are looking for someone to, to write a journal. And they had found my post that had gone like semi-viral for me. And they were, it was like, okay guys, here's how to go from basic to baddie. Here's how to have a glow up. And it was all these like holistic journal prompts to get there. So my experience in Bali was kind of that turning point in my life where I was like, I want to work in this world but I didn't know how it was going to happen. And so I heard a quote 
people overestimate what they can do in a year and underestimate what they can do in a decade. And so I decided I'll give myself a decade to just see if I can make a business out of this. And each year we've kind of gotten closer and closer to realizing it. So the book is really um, a culmination of those same journal prompts I was doing to figure out what I wanted to do instead of optometry. Those same journal prompts I used when I was trying to redefine myself and, you know, outgrow this party girl, like lifestyle I was in. I wanted to be a new person. How do I do that? How do I dress differently? How do I show up differently in the world? So I compiled all of that experience together and I put it in the glow up journal. I love hearing this, especially because I think a lot of our audience resonates with feeling stuck and feeling lost. And especially when you're in your twenties, 100%, um, but also resonates with figuring out who you are and allowing multiple self, multiple parts of yourself to exist at once. Uh, and I, what I loved most about what you just said is like the overestimate what you can do in a year and underestimate in a decade. Because we, I think a reason a lot of us are so stressed all the time is because we feel like we don't have enough time. But when we give ourselves that permission of like, it, it might not take three months, like it seems like everybody else is taking to like be perfect and hot and successful. It might take a little bit of time and that's okay. I think that has been, at least for me this past year, the biggest unlock to feel more like I trust my timing. Like it's going to be okay. I'm not worried. And so I love that. And so what was that turning point for you? Did you ever struggle with like feeling like you had to have it all figured out? Like, especially after leaving a quote steady career that you went to school for. Yeah, I mean, I it's still something I struggle with because I feel like I should be more successful. I should be better. It should it should. And I mean, I always say like the reason I like serve is modern professionals really is because I get it, right? That same ambition that propels you to success that makes you be able to like get up and go after your goals. It's the same thing that makes you sick because you're never satisfied. It's never enough. It's not perfect enough. You could be better. It's like it's that same energy. So I do struggle with it still. And I think what you have to find is, and that's why I love about journaling, because journaling gives you a space to, number one, admit that, right? Like admit whatever you're struggling with, but it also gives you an opportunity to reshift your focus, right? So you're focusing too much on the present or the past, but what about the future, right? You have the power to create the future. So if you can reorient your perspective, you can shift your attitude about it. So instead of feeling like, oh, you know, it's this didn't go the way I wanted to, it's like, it's, it is all happening in divine timing, right? But what are things that I can do right now to feel, you know, change my attitude, change my energy, feel more comfortable where I am? I think you you always will struggle with that feeling because it's it's just a part of your personality. Like that's the other side of ambition. But it's like, what are some of the practices and the tools that you can have to um, help soothe that, right? So it doesn't, you don't have to be so reactive to it, right? You can hear that voice inside of you. You can still experience those feelings, but it doesn't need to like trip you up in the same way. And I think, you know, journaling, moving your body, um, meditation, like all of these are practices and tools that can help you kind of find at least a grounded place within those feelings because they never go away. The stakes just keep getting higher and higher and higher, but it's like, what, how can I manage this or how do I work with this and not against it? So real. The like other side of ambition is what makes you sick, but it's like, twofold. Um, I read a good book about this, The Perfectionist Guide to Losing Control. And, um, and I feel like they talk about that too in depth. But the part of it that's hard is figuring out how do I manage all these emotions and like channel it to 
something better. So you meant you obviously have a journal and you started journaling, but when did you start doing that and start to see those shifts? So I started journaling, like my first journal I got for Christmas in 1999 when I was 11. So I've been journaling as long as I can remember, not like a dear diary entry every day, but like, you know, popping in or having this practice. So when I was in Bali, I was reading a lot of like self-help books and I was, you know, kind of creating like a a framework, I would say, of like a journal of questions to ask myself. But in 2016, I was living in Houston, Texas. I was working six days a week as an optometrist. I was miserable. Like I was crying on my lunch break every day. Like I hate my life. This sucks. This is the worst life of all time. And of course, you know, it's extremely privileged to say that. It's like, you're a doctor, you're this, you're that. And it's like, I don't care. Okay. I hate it. I don't want to do this. I was just really struggling with that dissonance of knowing I wanted to do something different, but feeling like I had to work, I needed money. And I was just like in it. And I just was on a loop, right? I was complaining. I was miserable. I was just complaining, complaining, complaining. And actually my father passed away in 2016. And the last conversation I had with him, I was complaining about my job, like complaining. And that experience really like gave me the freedom to say, you know what, life is so short. And how am I spending my life right now? I'm spending my life doing the same things over and over and over and being miserable about it. And so I'm going to use this like transformative period as a period of like openness. And I decided then that I was going to actually pursue, you know, building fierce clarity, pursue entrepreneurship. And I got a lot more serious about the type of journaling I was doing and how we were going to create, like, who do I, like asking yourself the type of question, like, who do I want to be, right? How do I want to show up in the world? What does my life look like in five years? What does my life look like in 10 years? And I started to really like mean it, right? This is what I want for myself. This is what I see for myself. My current circumstances do not need to define the rest of my life. And so in 2016 was, I would say like after having that, you know, huge transformation in the essence of like, understanding it's not that deep like f this job i don't care like my dad would always be like just quit like get another job and i'm like no i can't and it just it was just that perspective shift like look if i keep doing this i'll spend my i could spend my whole life working and complaining and being miserable and die and then what did i accomplish in life so 2016 is when i started like actually really like asking the really pointed question, what do I want my life to look like on a day-to-day basis? Where do I want to work? Who do I want to work with? What type of work do I want to do? How much money do I want to make? How, what type of lifestyle do I want to live? What type of family do I like really getting clear on what I want in my life to look like, and then starting to take intentional steps in action to make that a reality. I love that. And I think that it exemplifies for someone who might be in that moment where they feel like they're at their rock bottom. They hate everything in their life. Everything around them is crumbling that like you can really rise out of that, but you can only do it when you're being honest with yourself, you know? And I think that's, you have to refocus, right? It's like, you can't, it's like one of the activities in the book, which I'm so excited to put like all of this in the book is like, stop complaining and start creating, right? Stop complaining about your life and start creating it because you have the power to make change in your life, but you can only do it in the present moment. And if you're spending the present moment complaining and whining about where you are, as opposed to, it's like, if you don't know where you want to go, think about it, dream, use your imagination. And then once you know, start building that, whether that looks like posting on social media or hosting an event in your community or spending time with your family, being intentional with you know your, your friends or loved ones. It 
can look really different, but I think you have to be able to reorient when you have to catch yourself, especially when you're miserable and when you're in it. I get it. I mean, it's like, how can you not think about like how much this sucks or how you hate this job and you don't want to do it, but it's like, okay, shift the perspective, right? I'm in it. I can't change anything about it. I need the money right now. So like, here we are, but I can meditate before I go to work. I can work out before I go to work. I can listen to a podcast. I can go for a walk on my lunch break, right? So I used to journal on my lunch break. I'd be sitting at Whole Foods in the Woodlands, Texas. So funny, like (laughs) doing my little journaling activities, going back to work, like, God, I hate this job. I was like, you know, I am grateful for this, you know, like just trying to focus on creation and less on complaining. So it's like, it's a, it's a reality. We all get there, but start to be able to look at those time periods in your life. It's giving you points of contrast, right? It's just showing you what you don't want. I don't like this. Okay. That's cool. Now you can create something different. You can move on from that. So don't feel like just because it's the present, it has to be the future. We make it so when we keep complaining about it, as opposed to focusing on creating something different for ourselves. I really love that. And I think that you've said it in a very approachable way, because I think there's Sometimes in this industry, like I guess the self-development industry, it's sort of talking at us like you have to be completely grateful all the time and it doesn't acknowledge that you might be in a place where you do hate your job right now, but like you can still do the little things that you show up for yourself every day and that will eventually lead to something bigger, but you can't get from where you are right now hating your job at Whole Foods and when you're on your lunch break to get to something perfect if you aren't being grateful and figuring things out now. And I like that because how real it is. Because I, I do struggle sometimes being like, am I not taking care of myself because I'm a little like, I'm noticing some self-sabotaging behaviors? Or am I not perfect at this like manifestation thing because I like, and don't believe all the time? And so I don't think anyone does all the time, you know? It's just like making the conscious choice every day. So when it comes to an everyday basis, you're obviously journaling, but talk more about like the impact of working out and meditation and those other tools in your toolbox that help you, you know, stay you and stay connected to whatever that thing is you're looking to create. Yeah. So for me, I, again, right, what led me to this was all my stress-related illnesses. So I have like very severe IBS. I have like all these problems that are exacerbated by stress. So but what is stress? And I do a lot of like through Fierce Clarity, I do corporate workshops and I talk to professionals. Really, um, my number one workshop is self-care for busy people. Like, and I mean, like big, like Morgan Stanley, Netflix, Amazon, whole, like people. It's like crazy to talk to real big groups of people about this. But what I always try and invite people to do is let's stop thinking of stress as this like amorphous thing, right? And let's think of stress for what it really is. It is a response in the body where we are pumping out cortisol and adrenaline. So if you are in a state of stress, your body has a ton of cortisol. How are you going to get rid of that cortisol, right? Let's think of stress management in that way and less of like, oh, I want to you know decrease my stress. It's like, it's not going to help you to not look at your email until 9 a.m. when you know at 9 a.m. there's going to be a shit storm in there. <laughs> like, it's still going to be stressful. Like, you, you, you know, that doesn't help eliminate it. But 
you know, there are things that you can do to decrease your cortisol. So one of those things being working out. So like physically moving the body, sweating. Also the foods you eat. There are foods that you can eat to support cortisol metabolism. So like getting some of that out of the body. So when I am in periods of really stressful time, right? So the book launched, the book released May 9th. And um, I didn't know that I'm a first time author. So I really didn't know all that was required of you or like what that book release and book launch was going to look like. And it was really stressful for me. I skew very anxious. I skew like I'm a neurotic type eight girly that Virgo moon comes out and she's, she's, you know, frazzled. She's trying to get it done. So I have to be really intentional about movement and diet during those times because I need to fuel my body. I know that I need um, certain nutrients to help, number one, sustain my nervous system. I know my nervous system is fried, so I need to be really intentional about my movement practices. I actually did um, a 75 hard, like a modification of the 75 hard leading up to the journal's release. And I'm so happy I did that because focusing so much on physical health was really important. And um, I think some people get it confused, like you're just doing it for aesthetics, but it's actually not. It's a lot of times when you're holding on to extra weight and you feel lethargic and fogging all these things, it's a byproduct of you having too much cortisol in the body. So if you can focus on removing that cortisol and that's really aggressive, right? You have to make crazy lifestyle changes, like like stopping drinking, you know, like giving up those processed foods, working out more, going for more walks. But when you can do those things, you can actually, you know, physically see and feel a difference in your stress level. So on a day-to-day basis, I really manage my own stress via movement and um, a diet. Of course, like I'll have like, you know, some cheat meals and, and that sort of thing. But especially if I'm in a period of stress, I'm eating really clean, lots of um, lean protein, veggies, foods, um, particularly that support stress reduction in terms of like cortisol metabolism and helping to reduce free radicals. So lots of antioxidants. I really believe it's like, food is medicine. And so like, you know, if you are feeling really all over the place, a lot of times you can just start by looking at what's on your plate and seeing how can I add more things that are going to be helpful for me and take things away that are going to be harmful. So eating a healthy diet and moving are my top daily practices and also underrated, but quiet time, like silence, like no, no noise. And I mean, it's hard when we're like always scrolling on socials and like always doing everything. But if you can find some time to yourself, I find it's really cathartic and helps me reset. So I might, that might look like laying out outside and reading a book, or it might just look like when I get home from work, if I have a little bit of time, just sitting quietly by myself, but taking that quiet time, whether that's in formal meditation or just solitude and being quiet is also a really great grounding practice that can help some of that noise in your head kind of dissipate. I really like these approaches because they're tangible. Like you said, I started noticing this recently where it was like, just because I have boundaries around work doesn't make the stress of work go away. You know, like at 5 p.m., sure, like you can turn your laptop off, but the email is still going to be there. So I really like that it's not just about like changing those like mindsets, but it's about releasing the stress in some way. And when you think about it with those chemicals where it's like the cortisol is there. So after work, are you going to spike it a little bit more by watching an intense TV show and scrolling on TikTok and getting mad? Or are you going to try to release it by getting by going on a long walk or talking to somebody you love? So I really like that approach. So I'm curious for you because I know it's it can sound a little overwhelming. Like I need to eat right. I need to take care of my body. I need to do this. I was just saying, what do you think stops people from making these changes, like inherently? And what, I mean, I, what even stopped you? 
I think it is, it is the pressure. Uh, it, I think it's a pressure first and foremost. Like I feel, especially when I was beginning my wellness journey, even now you still feel like it's like the girlies are getting up at five and making a matcha latte and going for a walk and then going to a workout. Class. And it's like, Oh, I, I don't have time for that. Like, it's just, I'm not even going to do it. And that, that attitude of like, I, it's all or nothing, right? If I can't dedicate all, if I can't make all of these changes, I'm not going to make any of them. I think that is really what holds people back. And so with the work I do and the way I try to, so like we're holistic health and self-care for busy people. And the reason I like to add that caveat of busy people is because Everybody wants to be healthier, but everybody doesn't have more time to do so. So it's about helping people understand changes they can make within their lifestyle now. And all those changes snowball. So when you make like one little change, it becomes easier to make the next little one, becomes easier to make the next little one. And as you start to feel better, it becomes easier and easier to keep making these changes. So, and and when I do these workshops for my clients, um, that's a question I always get because I'll go, you know, I always say build your self-care tool. Kit. So we go through mental, physical, emotional, spiritual, and financial self-care practices. And at the end, I was like, this is great, but like, where do I start? And I would say you start where the issue is, right? So if you are having a lot of back pain, if you're having headaches every day, if you're having crazy acne, something's going on in your body. And that's really where it's asking you to start. So you should probably start with physical self-care practices. If you are having, um, going through a really tough time emotionally, if there's something going on in your life that's really um, um, substantial and you can't focus, then it's time to maybe do emotional self-care in the form of therapy and bring in some support for yourself and start there. If you have a lot of stress about money and you're just constantly worried about money, you're constantly worried about um, you know, your future, you're constantly worried about paying your bills, et cetera, et cetera, then you should probably start at financial self-care, right? Find audiobooks, find podcasts, help you reframe your money mindset, help learn how to manage what you do have better, how to increase your income. So instead of thinking like, I have to implement all of these changes, it's like, where in your life is calling out to you right now in this moment and start there because everything is interconnected. So a lot of times if one area of our life is really imbalanced, it's bringing that same imbalance to other areas of our life. So if we focus on where there is the most dissonance, there's the most imbalanced area and you just start to do things to bring yourself into a little bit more balance there, a lot of times you'll see positive downstream effects in other aspects of your self-care as well. That is such a great way to approach it because I, like I said, so many people just stop themselves from making any changes because life feels so overwhelming and it doesn't stop feeling overwhelming. I mean, there's always going to be something to work on. So finding the core issue that's like hurting you the most, I think is such a great piece of advice for people. At the same time, I really love that your journal really does incorporate things for all aspects of your life. You're not just being like, here's how to fix your wellness. It's like, no girl, like let's talk about all of it. And that's something I love as someone who likes to like do a little overhaul every so often. So can you talk about one of the exercises that you like or one of the prompts that like you think is most important that you love most in the journal just to give people a little sneak peek? Yeah, I think, well, I'll say one of the ones that's most fun. So there are some that are like really great for like your personal development, but it's like, womp, womp, womp. Like nobody wants to talk about me. 
consistency and self-discipline. Like that's not fun and sexy, but um, that's important. But I think one of the most fun activities is one about developing your own signature style. So the Globe Journal has five chapters. The first one is um, routines and schedules. So habits that support your well-being. Chapter two is diet and exercise, treating your body like a temple. Chapter three is holistic self-care. Chapter four is lifestyle visualizations, like manifesting your best life. I love that chapter. And then chapter five is beauty and style, which is fun because I don't typically make that type of content. I'm really more wellness focused, but for the book to like go back and look in my old journals and actually see myself doing these activities was really fun. But the one I would say I, I really love is about determining your own style. Because like you said, right, you're kind of like in a rebrand era, you're in a rebirth era. And I live by that. Like I'm a new year, new me type of girly. Like I don't care how corny y'all think it is. Like you do not know me. Okay. I have, I've changed. I've evolved. I am constantly getting better with time. So it's new year, new me. It's new month, new me. If I had a, a messed up week, then it's new week, new me. Like I am really about rebirth. And so much of that is in your personal style. I actually listened to a solo episode you did and you talked about how wearing this house of CV dress made you like feel great. And it changed the way you showed up in the world. And like, you're going to incorporate more elements like that. Um, so in this activity, I have you number one, find inspo from like people you think have really great style. And then we dissect that style, right? What color palettes are they wearing? What silhouettes are they wearing? What looks flattering? And then we actually have you start to recreate some of these outfits. So you'll identify tops that you have, bottoms that you have, um, outerwear that you have, accessories that you have that you know fit within that style. And you'll actually put together some outfits. And what that'll allow you to do is start to feel like the person you want to become because that person has a look, right? That person dresses a certain way. That person shows up in the world in a certain way. And a lot of times when we feel stuck, it's a lot of times because we're wearing the same thing over and over again. Okay. We're kind of in our Doug funny era and we're just repeating the same trusty, dusty basics. And it's like, let it go. Okay. We need to evolve out of that. So like, let's zhuzh it up. Let's change your style, change your hair, you know, and it's not even always about spending money. So of course, you know, we love to, to treat ourselves, but I wanted to think about like myself, right. When I was a student, when I was actually doing some, so I was a, you know, to be fully transparent, I was a party girl. I was the queen of crunk. I was like turned up, you know, I, I was, I was really, I, I was lit. She was outside. Yeah. She was, she was talking about a party girl era. Mama was Mama was popping, okay? But, okay, at a certain point, it's like, I don't like being known for this anymore. Like, everybody's, like, coming up, like, oh, D. Rich, we're about to turn it up. It's like, ah, I'm a yoga girly. I'm not turning up anymore, y'all. You know, this was, I mean, I'm definitely more balanced now. There was a period where I was like, ah, hold on. I don't do that. I don't drink. You know, I'll have a kombucha. <laughs> I was being that girl. But I was trying to redefine myself because I no longer wanted to be associated with this college party identity that I had. And so a big part of redefining yourself is redefining your style. And so I think it's a really fun activity because as you are doing the work to glow up, as you are trying to level up, as you are trying to show up differently in the world, one of the most simple things you can do is change your style to match the energy that you are trying to live within. And doing that, you, you when you 
feel that, it changes everything. And so it's one of my most favorite activities because it gives you an opportunity to play dress up, which I love doing as a child. And I think it's just such a fun way to, to bring like that tangible reality. So like maybe you don't have all the money right now. Maybe you don't have the dream husband, the dream house, the dream career. Maybe you don't have all of those things today, but you can feel, you know, like the person who does or like the person who's on their way to go get it just simply by changing your outfit. And that to me is, is really powerful. I really like that because even though like I think some people will say, oh, I don't I need to work on like inner things too. I think it reflects on the outer side. And like I even noticed like recently with that House of CB moment where it was like, wait a second, like I can actually feel really excellent if I put like a little bit of effort into this and it can change how I feel internally too. So I really like that. I think it's really fun. And so I love how holistic the book is and how it really incorporates all of that because I feel like it's so great for someone looking to have their rebirth, whether it's their 15th of the year or their first one ever. So I love to see it. I'm curious for you to, before we wrap up, who inspires you? Like what kind of resources or books or things like that inspired you and sort of made the biggest change in your life? Because a lot of times a book is what really does that like huge transformation for you, especially when you were in Bali and reading all these books. Were there any that really stood out or other resources that really stand out to help you? Yeah. So I would say books that really stood out were books like Living in the Light by Shakti Gawain and um, The Seven Spiritual Laws of Success by Deepak Chopra. I felt like those books helped me frame success within the the construct of spirituality. I think before I kind of came across those books and I was reading them while I was in Bali, I was hyper fixated on just like the external markers of success and maybe didn't really think about spirituality and how that's involved in success. And like your success is really you manifesting what your spirit is here to create. And like, that is the the path to true success. So um, those books really helped me out. And then I like to when I feel, you know, again, as a ambitious type A girly who's trying to do it all, but I, I got to work 10 jobs until it happens, right? It's sometimes you just feel um, defeated or overwhelmed or, you know, just not good. And, and in those moments, I really love to watch YouTube interviews of famous and successful people. I've always loved um, reading books by wealthy women. So, uh, there's a lot of, you know, like Seven Habits of Wealthy Women. Like there's there's a lot of books like that that I love, but I really love like videos or even like Beyonce's like um, Life of Four documentary, even Homecoming. There's like Michelle Obama interviews, Oprah interviews, one, the one in particular when she was at Stanford, um, GSB speaking. Like there are interviews that I love where women talk about success because I think that you know, and probably a lot of your uh, listeners will resonate. It's like, (laughs) I want to be a wealthy woman. Okay. And I'm not (laughs) afraid to say that. And that is what I'm working towards. And that is what I am trying to do. And I need support on that journey. And that support maybe doesn't look like my friends. Maybe they don't have the same desire. They don't want to do the same thing in their life. And there's nothing wrong with our inner desires, but you have to find what resonates with you. So if I know that this is, um, you know, I want to be a successful, wealthy woman, this is the lifestyle I want to live, I'm going to find those women who have done it, and I'm going to listen to them and listen to their advice. And so um, another book like Lean In, 
which, you know, Sheryl Sandberg is kind of canceled, but it still is really valuable. I think like understanding, listening to those women who have done it and who have achieved success has always helped to inspire me and make me feel like it's possible because a lot of these women come from regular families, regular backgrounds, come from regular experiences, and they just tell a story of persistence, of hard work, and of self-belief in that if you you know, have those things and you're working within your zone of genius, within your gifts and talents, you too can achieve success. I really love that. And I'm the same way. I think that's why I love podcasts so much and podcast interviews and why I started my own because we all need to hear other stories to realize we can do it for ourselves. And I mean, like you said, you could name kind of like a couple, just a couple of like the black women who are doing it, you know, and they're, we, to hear these stories is so empowering and helpful. And you always pick up a new thing from someone that you can implement into your own life. And so I agree with, and I actually like that you said that when you are feeling down or overwhelmed, you know right where to go and it's to get that inspiration from other women. And that's such a good thing for us all to remember. And hopefully everyone will store in the back of their minds, like there's going to be moments when you feel down, but like you know what to do to get yourself out of that. Yeah. And I think you also have to, to really find as much of that type of content as possible. And so you just like know where to go. And so it's like, even when you're studying, like I remember listening to those interviews, like in school and like just all of those little things, like the songs that make you feel inspired or empowering or sermons or, you know, like there, there's a lot of things that can help lift your spirits. And I think that you always have to remember those feelings of overwhelm or doubt are never going to go away. Like Beyonce still feels those feelings, you know? And so it's like, you have to know that like, we're not racing to a finish line of like a life that is free from these things. What we are doing is building our muscles of resilience so that we can um, not be as, as phased by them. And so when you have like a deep well of places you can go for inspiration, whether that's God, successful women, your friends, your therapist, um, I think it really gives you that sustainability that you need to keep going because success is a journey. You know, it's not something like you said, right? We live in this microwave society where it's like, oh, my brand blew up. Oh, my God, this happened to me. Oh, and it's like, dang, I am a loser my business did not blow up and dang I have to still work you know like I am not able to do that but I will say you know one thing that I'm really working on right now is redefining the word work right I think for so much of my life I have associated work with being an optometrist and that is work I don't want to do but it's work that I'm called to do right because God wouldn't have me doing this if it wasn't what I'm supposed to be doing right this second and so when we start to change how we're defining work. It allows us a little bit more freedom to say, okay, this work is in service of something better. This is, you know, this, this work that I'm doing is for the world. It has a mat, it matters. It has an impact in, you know, some way, shape or form. And so I just, I've been renegotiating my own, um, I'm not because I'm not really working right now. And it's like, I'm like, I actually realize I'm not, you know, like everyone's living talking about the soft girl era. It's like, mm, I don't know about, you know, I don't, the soft I, girl's scary. Like, <laughs> it's not, I'm not really feeling this. I mean, I'm gonna be honest with you. So, like, I definitely am like, I need to go, I need to work more. But as I decide to resume working in a little bit, because I took a break for the just for full disclosure, I took a work break when I was working on the book. And thankfully, I have a fiance and it was able to help subsidize things. But as I 
re-enter work. It's like, I want to redefine it this time. And I want to work in a way that feels good to me and understand before it's like, I'm just working for money. And it's like, okay, no, like, can we, you know, can we broaden the definition of work? Can we think about skills that we can do on this job that we can apply to other jobs? Can we think about the work that we do for our businesses in a different way? And it's not work that I have to do, right? I get to do. And starting to feel um, like your work has a little bit more of a purpose and more of a calling to it, as opposed to just a transactional thing for money, I think has also been really freeing for me like in this moment. I love that. And I 100% agree. I'm going through a similar thought process of like, what is what is the point of all this? And I think a big reframe for me has been like, I get to do this and I'm excited about it. And whatever frustration I think that we experience through work, since it is such a big part of our lives, is usually like teaching you something. And so that keeping that mindset has helped me as well. So I wish you luck as you decide what to do next. Cause I know it's going to be fun. Too. And I mean, I think you are in such a good spot. Like you've been able to build a brand and, you know, experience so much. And now you're going to business school, which is going to open up so many other doors and you're just like at the beginning of things. And so, you know, if I could give advice to you and all of the girls in their twenties, it's like, just breathe. Like, I know everybody says that, but it's really hard to not feel the pressure to like, I'm going to do this. I'm going to, and it's like, I feel you, but like recognize a lot of people don't hit success until they're in their forties, like the vast majority of people. And if you start to really study stories of people who have been successful, not just what we see on the internet, right? But like in real, in the real world success, you'll find those stories that might help give you a little bit of grounding and help you feel like I've got time. Because I know, especially with younger, I feel like my generation have had one thing, but like this, you guys have a different level of pressure, right? You have seen people be successful like this your entire time online. So it's really, really, you guys put a ton of pressure on yourselves. And like that pressure is good, right? There is a positive to that because it does make you, you know, strive to new heights, go to business school, achieve all these things. But understand life is meant to be lived and enjoy it because you don't get to be in your 20s forever. And so just enjoy the journey, enjoy the Ride. You're there's going to be bumps in the road. You're going to have failures. You're going to take some L's, but it's okay. Like it's life and it will always be that way. So enjoy the journey and recognize that life is long, right? So what you're trying to accomplish at 29, maybe it's going to happen at 37 and like let some of that pressure go and just be present to the fun, the memories in this time in your life because it's really, really special and it doesn't last forever. Oh, thank you for that testimony. I think it's something I've been toying with recently. I think I've just now hit a place where I can hear that advice. So I feel like some people are in the past when I've been hearing that I've been like, cool, but like, I want to be a millionaire. So, and so I think uh, recently though, I've been recognizing that like life is long and everything's happening for a reason. And if you're not present and enjoying something now, how are you supposed to enjoy your success whenever it does? Because I'm telling you, we're in the same tribe. Read like annually Forbes list of richest self-made women. You will find the vast majority of them started a business with their husband Mm -hmm. or were early stage um, employees at tech companies or started a business later in life. And like when you start to read these names of these women who achieve like the financial success you're looking for, it doesn't look the same as it looks on the internet. And it helps to ground you and say like, okay, you know, like exactly. 
get there. But if we focus a little bit too much on like the world that we see, right, which is what we're consuming, it feels like, dang, I am behind. Wow. Like I'm really not because everyone's like, yeah, look, I'm, you know, it's like, and I get it, right? Because that's what getting gets engagement. Like people seeing a luxury lifestyle, people it, it gets a ton of engagement. But it's like, how many stories do you need to be exposed by? It's like this is being funded by this criminal underworld or this <laughs> prostitution ring. There's like always all this like nefarious stuff too. But if we just look at you know how success is shown to us right now, it's very easy to feel unsuccessful and to feel like a failure when the reality is we're like the matrix is wrong. And if you look at what actually success looks like in the real world, for most people, it's like in your 40s, like people are hitting that level in their late 30s and their 40s and their 50s even. So when you start to think about it like that, understand it's like you're 20. I can't remember the quote. It was like a sex in the city quote. It's like the 20s are for learning the lessons. Your 30s are for something. And then your 40s are for buying the drinks. Yeah. <laughs> Sarah Jessica Parker was talking to Jennifer Hudson in the movie, but it's true. And it's like each decade I've, I've always really, I always think about when I was 21, I was like dancing on the bar at like our um, college bar in, in Bloomington. I was at IU and my boyfriend at the time was like, Oh, my girlfriend shouldn't be doing that. And I was like, I'm 21. This is the only time in my life that this is appropriate. Like I don't yeah. need to be your girl. It's not that serious because I'm going to have this experience. And I think, you, you understand that like each decade, each year is meant for certain experiences. And it's really your 20s are about experimenting, exploring, learning lessons, and you, it's low stakes. So it's like, I was able to say, I want to start a business and I'm going to only work three days a week. And yeah, I know I'm going to make a financial trade off for that. But like, I'm willing to do that because I don't have a family to support. I, you know, you can take those risks. So enjoy each decade for what it is. And your 20s are not, and I understand, right, in the fourth 30 under 30 culture, it is so hard not to feel like your 20s are about blowing up and building this masterful, masterfully successful thing. But it's really not, though. That That's not what this decade is about. It's about setting a foundation for yourself, sure. But it's also about getting to know yourself, exploring yourself. And you can only do that through living life. And so when we put so much pressure on ourselves to have professional success, I mean, like, I genuinely can look in those journals and be like, I want to be a multimillionaire by the time I'm 31. Mm -hmm. It's like, Okay, girl, <laughs> like we, you know, that was, I mean, we were, we were manifesting that good, good job. I mean, we've definitely gotten, you know, a lot closer to where we're trying to go, but I can now at this point, look at some of those goals. And while yes, be delusional, be unrealistic, work towards those things, but also understand that you are putting a lot of pressure on yourself when you only are setting these really lofty goals. And if you can ground yourself and give yourself some perspective from people who have done it before you or have gone before you or who are even just helping you, um, you know, find those practices to lower your cortisol, right? You're walking, you're breathing, your Pilates, your yoga, meditation, whatever it is for you. But as you start to find true life inspirations and find those practices that can slow your heart rate down and bring your nervous system down, you can find a sustainable pace to keep that ambition going, to keep that drive going, but not be so dissatisfied with where you are in the present that you make yourself sick. Oh, I love that the pacing of it, just where it's like we all have this ambition. We're just trying to figure out how to manage it. And I think this conversation will really help people who are doing that. So thank you so much for coming on. I have a final question I like to ask every one of my guests at the end, which is, 
Finish this sentence with something that you want young people to know. You are too smart for. You are too smart for basicness. (laughs) And what I mean by that is a lot of times we can get stuck in being basic, whether that's our same basic meals, our same basic careers, our same basic choices in men or choices in whatever, we can just fall into that habit of basicness and doing what's familiar and what's comfortable. But that is not where your greatness lies. Like we are each a divine being and we are here to do something. And whether that something is create a multi-million dollar company and be very successful in that sense, or if it's build a beautiful family and be present for that family and be a part uh, and be a, a big change in your community. We are all here to have an impact and we cannot do that if we are just stuck in basicness. So my advice is you are too smart to settle for this basic life. So I want you to know that you are truly worthy of the very best that life has to offer. And no one's going to hand it to you. Unfortunately, you're going to have to get up and you're going to have to do the work. and You're going to have to go get it, but you are worthy of it and you can totally have it. And it is possible. Love that. That is so inspiring. If you're not inspired after the episode, I don't know what's going on, but thank you. Where can everyone find you and find your book? Of course. So the Glow Up Journal is available now. It's a guided self-help book to help you manifest and create your best and baddest life. It is the perfect book for summer. If you are looking for a light read, you're just wanting to, you know, think about the, the summer is a little bit slower. So it gives you some time to reflect, take it on vacation. It's a great pool book. You can write right in it. So the Glow Up Journal is available everywhere books are sold. You can find it on Amazon, um, Barnes and Noble, all of the usual suspects. And you can follow me on social media our company, Fierce Clarity. Um, I run our um, Instagram and our TikTok account. And then we also have Fierce Clarity Activewear. Um, If you are interested in activewear and loungewear to make your workouts and your hangouts more fly. And Alexis, I'm definitely going to send you a care package. So afterwards, I'll come your sizes and send you some fierce clarity activewear but yeah you can find us on social media and of course the glow up journal you can find on amazon and barnes noble amazing thank you so much for coming on thanks for having me what's so special about hero bread soft fluffy and delicious breads buns and tortillas These ultra-low net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands, and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co.